This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, April 10th, 2022. You're blessed when you make peace. You're blessed when you're persecuted. Good morning. Good, good morning. Isn't this just a glorious day to be part of God's kingdom? Can I get an amen on that? How about you at home? Can I hear an amen? Good, good. So, today is Palm Sunday when we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> into Jerusalem as he prepares for his final days on earth. So this morning, we've been doing the, going over the Beatitudes, right? And um, we call it upside down because a lot of them seem kind of opposite of what you would expect. Um, today, we're going to consider actually two things. You're, you're blessed when you make peace. And then another Beatitude that says, you're blessed when you are persecuted. <laughs> Seems kind of upside down, doesn't it? There we go. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Alan, CJ in Texas, hey, CJ, said amen. So uh, we are... Uh, Good to see everybody on the other side of the camera. Um, wish I knew who you were, who was there. But hey, listen, everybody. People are open to an invitation to attend church on Easter and on Christmas more so than any other time. So we talked about last week. Who's your top two? Think about who that is. We have just six days to pass out a very easy invitation to invite someone to join us, to hear the focus, the main best news of our lives, that he rose from the grave that death is defeated. So be sure to grab some postcards and, and pass them out this week. Let's go ahead and open up with prayer. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for this word found in Scripture. It is it is upside-down thinking from what we would normally think. Settle us in wherever we are, whether it's right here, whether it's uh, at home, whether it's at wherever. Um, help move, remove the distractions and help us give the next 20 minutes to you, focused on you. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. So today, uh, we're covering two Beatitudes instead of just one. And so for that reason, we're, we're going to jump right into the international version of sure, You know, we've been doing the message, but basically the message, you know, basically blessed, uh, you're blessed when you make peace and uh, you're blessed when you're persecuted. So we're going to look at the, uh, the new international version of those two scriptures. Let's start with the first, Matthew 5, 9, NIV, blessed are, say it with me. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Yeah, there we go. So the scripture tells us that we are blessed when we are peacemakers. It's really interesting. Uh, we're blessed when we're peacemakers. What, what is peace? That's what we're going to unpack today. When we take a look at the Greek, it's pronounced irene. Say irene. Irene. Yeah, and that means it's peace between individuals, between groups, even between nations. That's a really tough thing. 
Um, peace, it's the exemption of rage or havoc of war. Peace is harmony, uh, accord, tranquil state. And we can experience that peace, that tranquil state because of our salvation in Jesus Christ. Fearing nothing because God is on the throne. And that peace also has a lot to do with being content. We, we, that's one of the Beatitudes, being content with what we have and what God's blessings are in our lives. Mm. So it's interesting when we consider how the scriptures are translated because the primary language that the New Testament uh, was translated into was Greek. The Greek and then came to us through that means. But we always have to remember, like Jesus and his followers, they didn't necessarily speak Greek in their everyday language. Jesus spoke Hebrew and a der derivation of that known as Aramaic. And so um, the, the Irene is the Greek, but if we go back to the Hebrew word that was generally used for peace, that word is, as we've shared many times, shalom. Say shalom. Shalom. Isn't it? Just that word sounds peaceful. Shalom. It brings peace to you just saying the word. It's wild. And so shalom, though, means so much more than just a, an absence of hostility, absence of war. It even means more than the harmony and accord that Carrie was talking about with Irene. Bible scholar William Barclay, in his commentary on the book of Matthew, he tells us that shalom is never only the absence of trouble, the negation of hostility, um, of war. He says that shalom means not only freedom from all trouble, but here's the key. It means also the enjoyment of all that is good. Don't you like it? It's the enjoyment of all that is good. Barclay also points out something that kind of caught my attention. He says that it's the peacemakers who are blessed. He doesn't say peace lovers. He says peacemakers. Sometimes we, me, I might love peace so much that I, I don't even address things that should be addressed. You know, sleep, you sweep stuff under the carpet. And, and that's not what he's saying. Um, it is important to speak truth always in love, not adversarial, not judgmental. But peacemaker, not peace lover. And so being a peacemaker might come from facing something or dealing with something. Making peace sometimes requires struggle. Peacemaker. Mm. So as we said earlier, today we celebrate Palm Sunday. Palm so before, Sunday. We, before you go on with that, okay? Oh, okay. Palm Sunday. Um, <laughs> these palms that we hope that everybody got coming If you didn't, in, you get one on the table in the back as you leave. They don't come like this. <laughs> they come in these... Hands. Hand, they they're called them. hands. And it takes a lot of time to separate them and to take, like, hours. Like... Debbie, how much time did it take? <laughs> a lot. Yeah, a lot. So, like, we come into here and everything's wonderful, but a lot of work is put in. So we want to say thank you to the Macbeth family. 
Thank you to families, because there's two Macbeth families, and there was two Morgan families, and there was one Cleary family, and thanks for passing them out, Addie. <laughs> thank you so much. So, but thank you so much for making it possible for us to have these. Wait a minute. Did you have a party afterwards? Okay, I seem always got to have a party, you know. <laughs> anyway, okay, so it's Palm Sunday. Everybody got one? Let me see you wave it. Wave it. Now that's what they were doing when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. Waving the palms like a hero's welcome. Yeah, Hosanna. As, as, and we remember when we wave those palms of Jesus' triumphal, they call it the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Here's the flip of that, though. In preparation for his final days, his final hour, they're cheering him. Now, the end of the week, they're saying, crucify him. Crucify. But now we're saying, Hosanna. Say Hosanna. 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 The next day, the crowd that had come for the festival, they were there for the Passover festival. And then they remembered when they, years and years ago, had left Egypt, finally got their freedom. And, and the night before, they, uh, the, 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 the final straw was when the angel of death visited and was going to take out the firstborn. And maybe you remember that story. And the way the firstborn wasn't taken from the Hebrews was they, 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 put, uh, they sacrificed and put blood over the door, and then the angel of death passed over, passed over their houses. And then they were in such a hurry to get out, they, they, uh, the, the bread, they couldn't wait for it to rise. You know, all these things are quite symbolic of having to get out of town, okay? So... Next day, the people, this was one of the three great uh, Hebrew celebrations during the year, the, he, the Passover celebration. So they'd come for this fe festival of Passover, and they heard that Jesus was on his way into Jerusalem. He was coming in town to celebrate the festival, but even more important than that, he was coming into town for his uh, passion with the last week of his life. They'd heard he was on his way, and so they took palm branches, Scripture tells us, and they went out to meet him shouting, say it. Hosanna! Can I hear it? Hosanna. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. That is as written, one of the prophets from the Old Testament, read, do not be afraid, daughter Zion, see your king. This is a king and different than they're used to, this kind of king. Your king is coming seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples, they didn't understand all this. It was only after Jesus was glorified. In other words, it was only after he uh, came back and, and rose from the dead and was ascended to heaven did they realize that these things had been written about the him and that these things had been done to him. Wow. And so the crowds, they go crazy. This man of mystery, this man of miracles, they treated him as if he was a returning hero. I mean, think about it. Jesus, here he comes, miracle man, but he doesn't come in on a stallion or, you know, this big carriage, but he comes riding on a donkey. It was prophesied hundreds of years before by um, the prophet Zechariah. You know, the cover to cover of the Bible all aligns. It's important to know that there's stuff that is stuff. There's truth that is said by prophets in the Old Testament that came to pass 
with Jesus. And so here we have it. And he, you know, the people wanted him to come in like this conquering warrior, like, you know, King David. And instead, Jesus comes in as the Prince of Peace. A whole different feeling. And it would be later that week, while preparing his disciples for this upcoming tragic event that would occur, that Jesus would talk to his disciples and to others about peace. Can you imagine what's ahead and Jesus' focus is on peace? Mm. Peace for his disciples, peace for us. Mm. And so Jesus had a last supper with his disciples. They shared the Passover meal together. That Passover meal that was so much a part of the Jewish culture, all his followers his 12 followers, they were all Jewish, they had all, this is part of their life from when they were born. I mean, this was an annual thing that they would do. He washed the disciples' feet, part of that meal. They didn't have a, normally, you rent a room, they would have a, a servant in your home, but, I'm sorry, in your home you have a servant, but they rented the room, so he took on the role of the servant and washed their feet. And as he did that, he shared with them that one of them would betray him. Can you imagine that? Knowing in advance that one of those guys and which one was going to betray him. When Peter, Peter said that he would lay down his very life, you know, Peter, he just jumps up. He's so impulsive. I lay my down, life down for you, Jesus. And Jesus set him straight, saying, you know, before the, before the roaster crows, <laughs> In the morning, you will have denied me three times. And then Jesus told them to not let their hearts be troubled. To believe in God, to also believe in him. Maybe you've heard that before, some of you. He said his father's house had many rooms. He was going to prepare a place for them. and That if he prepared a place for them, that he would come back for them. They would be with him. Yeah. Verse we share many times at funerals, isn't it? Maybe you've heard it before. He said that, that they knew the way to the place that he was going. They knew the way. Of course, one of them, Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas, said they didn't know where Jesus was going. If they didn't know, how could they know the way? Jesus said, I'm the way. He didn't say, I'm going to show you the way. I'm the way, and I'm the truth. And I am the life, he told them. Yeah. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty powerful. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's pretty. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he told them that they could ask for anything in his name. And he would see that they got it. In his name is the key there. Anything in his name. And they would get it. Yeah. So do you feel the tension that's happening? What's going on? I would say in the background, but it's really in the forefront. And Jesus huddles his disciples and talks to them about peace. And then he makes a promise. He says that one will come that the Father will send one in spirit, the spirit 
of truth. John 14, verses 25, 26, 27. Jesus says, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. And so Jesus talks about this peace that passes all understanding in the midst of everything that's going on. That just really boggles my mind. And the Apostle Paul talks about the peace um, in Philippians 4, 7. We talk about that a lot, you know, the peace that passes all understanding. And I've been grappling with what that means in my life. And, you know, I, there's some things that have got me extremely stirred up right now. And so what does peace look like? What does that look like? And, you know, what's going on in our world? What's going on, you know, around us? What does peace look like? And for me, it doesn't mean that my heart still isn't pounding or there aren't times when I'm kind of shaking, not out of fear, but just like, oh, my goodness. And I believe in the midst of all of that, I can still feel peace because what it means is that even though things seem to be unraveling around me, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And it's on that foundation upon which I stand. And that Jesus came to us to save us, to save me. And so that grace and that mercy brings me peace. Yes, my heart still pounds. Yes, I still shake. But I know that I know that I know that he walks with me, he talks with me, and you as well. And so, you know, don't think that, oh my goodness, I don't feel peace because I'm feeling some anxiety. That's not what this is, or what I think it is. I think it's that we still claim and believe that we can never be separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. And that is some upside-down thinking in, in our lives at times when we're still able to experience that no matter what. And it's even the peace in the midst of persecution. Christ was persecuted. It's even peace in the midst of persecution. So we go back to the Beatitudes back in chapter 5 of Matthew. We talked about the peacemakers, right? The next Beatitude, Matthew 5.10, New International Version, Jesus shared this. Blessed are those who are persecuted. 
Now, that's not just any persecution, though. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Because they're trying to be right with God. They're trying to align with God. They're trying to walk hand in hand with God. You see the difference between just blessed are the persecuted, but blessed are the because of righteousness. For theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. And so the persecuted are blessed, those who are subject to hostility and ill treatment because of righteousness, because of trying to do what God calls us to do, because aligning with God in what we say and what we do, because of putting Jesus in the center of our lives, living for him, we are blessed. And ours then is the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same thing. Yeah. And so as we think about the events of Holy Week, just think about how Jesus knew his followers would be persecuted. He knew. That's why he spent so much time preparing them, talking to them, training them, telling them about peace. He knew that their lives would be, have tragic endings, just as his did. There's only one that, you know, John, he was deported to an island and had to live in that arrest on an island all by himself. But, I mean, it was terrible what was going to happen to the disciples, not alone, I mean, let alone what was going to happen to Jesus. And he still talked about this. Jesus knew that the Last Supper would be different, where he broke bread and changed the words, my body, and lifted the wine and said, my blood. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that he would be in the Garden of Gethsemane by himself, calling out, saying to his friends, can you just hang out with me? And he knew that he would be deserted. He knew all of this. He knew that he would be betrayed with a kiss from one of his followers. He knew that he'd be arrested. He knew Pontius Pilate was going to talk to him. And um, Herod would, you know, do his thing. And he also knew that this was timed. It was God's timing. Because think about it. Alan talked about the Passover. The city was full. It was all celebratory. Hosanna, Hosanna, yay Jesus. But he knew that on the Passover, one, it was historical that one prisoner was released, and he knew that it wouldn't be him. He knew it would be Barabbas. And he knew that the crowd would shout, crucify, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And he did it all anyway. He knew that he would be stripped and whipped beaten within an inch of his life, and then hung on a cross. Like common criminals. Like Barabbas probably would have been because he was in jail for murder. It's one of the most painful modes of death known to human because you hang there and hang there, holding yourself up as long as you can, you finally collapse. When you collapse, you can't breathe. You suffocate is how that works. You don't bleed out, you, you, you can't breathe after a while when you no longer can hold yourself up. 
In addition, not only suffering, he suffered humiliation at the hands of those in authority and those in the crowd. He knew that he would hang on that cross and, and willingly took that because that was his choice. And he could he can do anything, and he chose to allow that to happen. Chose to hang so he could no longer. <sighs> he gave up, his strength was gone, and he finally collapsed, suffocated, taking his last breath on earth. And in that breath, asked Father to forgive them that had done this, for they didn't know what they were doing. He knew that he'd be taken down and laid to rest in a, in a borrowed tomb, borrowed grave that was newly cut out of the stone, out of the rock on the side of the hill, offered from, by a faithful follower. He knew it was finished. In fact, that's what he said on the cross, it is finished. And those in the crowd thought it was finished. Because that's what it appeared, did not it? It looked like it was over. End of story. Last breath, taken down, in the tomb, goodbye, good riddance. It looked to those who stood by that it was over and done. That an innocent man that day was persecuted and executed. He died and he was buried and it was over. And so, yes, Jesus was persecuted, the disciples were persecuted, but so were the early Christians. They were under um, some, some terrible Roman emperors who even the history books tell us that um, there's an account where some Christians were buried up to their necks, tar put on their heads and light lit as human torches to light up the emperor's garden. I mean, it was just horrific. People who stood for their faith because of righteousness and um, martyred themselves for us. I, wow, I mean, they did that, and here we are. You know, we receive some of the blessing of, of their faith. You know, persecution still exists today. I found an article um, entitled Six Courageous Modern-Day Martyrs You Need to Know. And one of these martyrs was a guy by the name of Clement Shabazz Bhatti. Born in, um, in Pakistan in 1968, he entered into politics. He entered into politics, became the first federal minister for minority affairs in Pakistan. You see, Christians are... <laughs> great in the great minority in that country. They're very much in the minority in that country. He spoke, uh, regularly spoke against the laws concerning Pakistan blasphemy. Blasphemy is uh, uh, abusing the name of God, or not, not honoring God. And he was the only Christian to serve on the cabinet in that country, the only Christian. That must have been a lonely spot. And he was labeled a a blasphemer, it's interesting, he was labeled by uh, a blasphemer of Muhammad in 2011. See, because he followed Christ, um, those who followed Muhammad said he wasn't faithful. And so in 2011, his car was sprayed with a barrage of bullets. 
and he arrived DOA at the nearby hospital. A uh, persecuted, severely persecuted for his faith. And, and our friends in India, those of us who have been there, know, George, it's really something, the way they stand for their faith on a daily basis. Their lives are threatened, and they just, like, yeah, okay, have at me, because I'm going to stand on what I believe, and they're willing, you know, and they are at peace. That's what the incredible thing is. They are at peace with the way that Jesus has come to save them, and okay, in the midst of the persecution, knowing that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. Hmm. And it's in this country, too. Might look a little different, but really it's not that far different. We're even close to home. Check out this paragraph from a letter that was sent to the churches in our conference just this past Wednesday. This past weekend, Pastor Jason, Jason Cornish arrived at Providence United Methodist Church in Elkton. I, I used to mentor a pastor who, uh, who was the pastor at this church. So it is close to home. Jason Cornish arrived at Providence UMC in Elkton, Maryland to find an unfamiliar vehicle parked in the property. The uninhabited vehicle was out of state. License plates bore a Confederate flag hoisted on the truck's bed. Now, Providence UMC is a historically black church. And the town of Elkton was one of the stops on the Underground Railroad. The Underground Railroad was of the places um, in the midst of slavery that slaves could escape and hide and make their way north to states that, where there was freedom. Now, racism and acts of aggression by racist groups and individuals have been a part of its distant and recent past. That's Elkton, Maryland. Very, very strong KKK um, center there. These acts have caused pain, and this recent in incident compounds the pain. Now, you know, this, 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 this persecution easily has as much or more to do with, uh, with, with race, racism, as it does with Christianity, but it took place at a church. You know, it didn't just take place, it took place at a black church primarily black church there. And, uh, and this uh, Jason, uh, Pastor Cornish, he's one of our colleagues in ministry. I mean, he's very close to home here. And it reminds us of other recent persecutions, shootings in churches around this country. It's hard to separate the church aspect from anything else. It's all tied in together in persecution. And so our society is no longer as focused on Christianity as it once was. You know, Sundays are like every other day of the week and, you know, go, go, go. It's not really recognized as different or set apart. And the separation of church and state is at an all-time high. And so the question is, in the midst of all this, can we be peacemakers, actively seeking shalom in the midst of chaos? And there's so much heartbreak and 
can we be used by Jesus for peace? And it's okay to disagree. And it's okay to think of things differently. And it's okay that people have different faith bases. We're not saying that it's not. We're just saying, can we just get along and honor one another? And remember that all people matter to God. That's our, one of our greatest core values. All people matter, and so it's up to us to be different and to approach one another with hearts of peace instead of antagonism, instead of meanness, instead of criticism. It's a tough world out there. But are we able to pray for those who persecute us or persecute others? Can we lift the situations up to God. God's on the throne here. And can we be focused on offering Christ by our actions, by our, by our behavior, instead of tearing one another down? Let's lift one another up. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So again, we celebrate today Palm Sunday. Celebration, right? Celebration of returning Jesus on a donkey, not a horse. Horsemen... Those are when you return from conquering and war. Donkey means peace. Palm Sunday. But as we, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, we can't help but look ahead. The Holy Thursday, his mass last meal with his disciples, and to Good Friday when he was actually hung on a cross. And, and when he riding in on that donkey, he knew what was coming. It wasn't a surprise. He knew. It's going to be Last Supper, arrest, death, on Good Friday. And the question is, in the midst of that kind of persecution, in the midst of the persecution we've been talking about, in the midst of all that, can we truly be at peace? Can we truly be at peace when we remember what's going to happen? Well, Christ was at peace, knowing what was going to happen. See, we can be at peace because here's the deal. We know about Good Friday, right? Good Friday was a horrible, horrible day. So, and we can remember that in our lives. Sometimes we have Good Fridays, don't we, that aren't so good. Yeah. See, remember, though, it might be Friday, but we know what happens after. It might be Friday, but we know Sunday's coming, don't we? We know it might be Friday, Sunday's coming. Christ was, was hung on a cross on Good Friday. And it makes this week tough. And if you come to the Holy Thursday service, it's not a feel-good service. You'll, you'll leave feeling empty. That's important because Easter doesn't mean anything if we don't experience Holy Thursday and Good Friday. 
But the beautiful thing is, it might be Friday, but Sunday's coming. It might be Good Friday, but Easter Sunday is coming. Let's never forget it. That's the good news. That is the absolute good news. It might be Friday. Let's pray. Our most holy God, um, you call us to be peacemakers. Okay. We can work toward that. But man, in the midst of persecution, we're blessed. That's it's hard to believe sometimes, depending on the persecution, but we're called to be righteous. And we might be persecuted for that righteousness, and yet that's what you call us to, God. Please give us the strength to be righteous in the midst of persecution. Please help us to be peacemakers in the midst of challenging circumstance, Lord. Please, above all else, God, please help us in the midst of our Fridays. Please help us to know and remember and never forget Sunday's coming. Please help us to know as Jesus is hanging on that cross, taken down and buried, please help us to never forget that three days later, it was Easter Sunday, the grave was open, and he was alive, and we're set free. It might be Friday, but Sunday's coming. Let's never forget. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All those gathered said, Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.